0: It's always great to talk local sports with our friend Mike Mastovich of the Tribune Democrat. Good to have you with us today, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me on, both. Busy time of year for you. Every time of year is busy for you, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no, no slow time now, but everything's uh, converging right now with all the sports uh, together.
0: Yeah, and I know as we talk about the weekend, but there was an event uh, honoring uh, our local football coaches and uh, players within the region, too.
1: Yeah, on Sunday night, um, I I MC'd a banquet at the Richland Fire Hall. A great, great event. It was the 51st annual awards banquet for the Southern Alleghenies Football Coaches Association, which a lot of people know it as SAFCA, the abbreviation. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a really cool event. Uh, the SAFCA is uh, the organization that uh, puts on the annual Ken Lancy uh, Finest Forty All Star Football Game. So there's a lot of tradition there, and and. Uh, what happens at this banquet? Uh, so many different things go on, but uh, they do name a, a coach of the year. There are two coaches of the year for the, the different sides of the banquet, North South. And then all of the member schools, uh, I'd say, uh, I, I think it was about 50 kids, they honor uh, an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP for mm-hmm. every school. And the schools range from like Altoona, Bedford, Bellwood, uh, you know, the whole way down to uh, Greater Johnstown, Forest Hills, Connemale Valley, Connemale Township. Westmont, Wimber, Richland, uh, Portage, Penn that You know, every school seemingly in our area, for the most part, is, is a member of the SAFCA. So every one of those uh, schools had a kid honored on offense and defense. And uh, uh, St. Vincent College head coach, football coach Aaron Smetanka was the featured speaker. So yeah. it was just a great night, and uh, they, they capped it off by uh, all of the coaches in the organization vote at the end of the year for their among their peers for the uh coaches of the year and uh berlin brothers valley's doug paul uh was one of the coaches honored and then the top boat getter among the coaches was sam schutte of uh, northern cambria who mm. led uh, the colts to their first ever district six title Boy. So it was just a great great event uh yeah. 327 people there which is uh that's awesome. pretty impressive Re- really nice night at uh Richmond Fire Hall, and uh, got to give a shout out to Anthony's catered it. Man, their food's always so great, isn't so, wow. it?
0: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> always fantastic. Hey, I tell you, man, you can't argue with those with those two choices there. You know, both those teams yeah. just had remarkable, remarkable season. You know, one thing that always strikes me, Mike, about these guys, um, and of course you're around uh, the coaches a lot more than what I am, but it just seems as if there's a real tight knit. Brotherhood among all these guys that they can compete during the course of the year But when you see them together like any time I've had uh, Competing coaches in the studio all these guys know each other and you know It's it's just so awesome to see this that they can kind of let their hair down and kind of honor each other
1: Yeah, that is one of the neat things about this because you know on the field you want to beat the other guy And it's intense as rivalry sometimes it can be heated But as you said, last night all these guys were getting together, uh, posing for photos, talking. A couple of them on the podium making little jokes uh, with each other. And uh, just um, it's neat to see everybody in one place. And there is so much work that goes into this banquet, but also that Ken Lancey game. And it takes so much cooperation. All the coaches have to fill out forms for this banquet to nominate the kids. and they, They have it more sophisticated now. Uh, then when they first started, you do everything on pen and paper, but mm-hmm. now they have spreadsheets, and so like there's less chance of some kind of error happening, and every coach has to nominate who they want for offensive and defense, and that way you recognize, uh, like I said, it was roughly 50 kids, 2 three school. Mm-hmm. And then um, just to put on the banquet's a big thing, but the more uh, significant thing in the long run is the Ken Lancey game, and there are just so many moving parts now because they kept talking at this banquet how it's the longest-running all-star game continuously – uh, even though they uh, 2020 uh, they couldn't have the, the game uh, because of COVID-19, but they, yeah. they still managed to do it the next spring. So they kept it going. But uh, uh, Ralph DeMarco and Iber Verhovsik are two guys that are organizers. They both spoke last night passionately about how they are so proud that their game also includes bands and cheerleaders right. as well as the players. So it's just a big community event.
0: Yeah, no, that's what makes that game special. Uh, you know, not just the great players, but to have, you know, as you say, the band cheerleaders involved. And, uh, yeah, kudos, big, big shout-out to uh, Ralph and and, and Eber, two two old friends who I think have done uh, just tremendous work in keeping the ball rolling with that game.
1: Yes, uh, 365-day-a-year job, probably. Yeah,
0: that's just awesome. And uh, some players were honored last night too, right?
1: Yeah, like every team had an MVP for offense and defense and just – you know, through just some of the, uh, you know, familiar ones, uh, you know, like at, uh, at Berlin, uh, they had such a great year. Uh, Ryan Blueball on offense and Holy McLucas on defense. Uh, Wimber, Johnny Schuster, 6,000 career rushing yards on offense. Jake Costa on defense. Yeah. Uh, you had like, uh, you know, McCourt Carroll, Andrew Paxtis on offense, Johnny Golden on defense, Greater Johnstown had Anthony Atwood and Mark Juan Tysinger. Uh, a lot of familiar names. Uh, yeah. Garrett Harold at Penn Cambria, Mason Raymond at Penn Cambria. Andrew Miko at Portage, Mason Carver at Portage. Or oh, we could spend the whole show going through
0: the list of just fantastic <laughs> names here. That's awesome. Uh, you know, the first name that you mentioned among the players, John Schuster, a kid that I got to see play, uh, you know, with having kids in the Winber School District over the course of four years. I mean, man, every time he got the ball, you know, he, he just he just went straight ahead. And you, you were guaranteed at least, you know, five or six yards. You know, I think he averaged uh, well more than that during his career. But uh, I, I see that he is uh, committed to St. Francis, as has uh, a couple other local players, too. And I tell you what, uh, that program up at St. Up at Francis really turned around a great deal, and it's by using a lot of local players, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, uh coach uh, Chris Valerio and his staff, they've done a great job. Uh you know, St. Francis for decades was kind of like a doormat. Uh,
0: right.
1: and then Chris came and turned things around over the last decade or so uh in the uh football championship series in in, in the NEC. But uh what they Chris has, he has a, a, a defensive coordinator Scott Lewis is a Bishop McCourt grad who was a record breaker at McCork a record breaker at St. Francis and on offensive his coordinator uh Marco Pecora similarly at uh, at Richland and uh, went on to Pitt, and he mm-hmm. had another year of eligibility after graduating. He went to IUP for one more year, but Marco knows what's going down too. So you got two guys with local ties as coordinators, so therefore you got a pretty good edge in recruiting locally, and a lot of the local kids are starting to go there. I did a signing last week, Sam Pena, uh, Richland. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned John Schuster, mm-hmm. uh, one of the quarterbacks. He's not actually in the Tribune coverage area, but – Plays all of our teams. Jeff Hohenstein was the record-setting quarterback out at Central. Right. Um, uh, Coach Valerio's son, Elijah Valerio, was a, a very good player at Central Cambria. He committed to play for Dad. So, uh, That's you know, awesome. The list goes on. I'm Dawson Snyder of uh, Shanksville, who played football at Shade through a co-op. and uh, When Shade uh, won a district title, he's been making some noise out there as a receiver. He had just a phenomenal year, I believe it was his uh, – sophomore season um at Dawson Snyder's playing playing well there there's just uh, a lot of you know local ties
0: yeah it's just great to see with a bunch of local kids who are who are doing well and i think one name to be mentioned too uh is uh the kid at uh Connemaugh Township heading to uh, Penn State that, that's a pretty good uh accomplishment for a kid growing up around these parts to play for Penn State
1: i covered Ethan in uh, track and field as well and Mm -hmm. he did something that's just unheard of he won both the 100 meter dash and the 200 meter dash at the piaa meet in shippensburg in may and he's got got another year to try to follow up on that so when i talked to ethan for the story um he talked about how that speed and what he did in track really opened a lot of doors in football so he's going on as a preferred walk-on at penn state uh for james franklin so you gotta be a preferred walk-on and uh take your shot at making uh you know, making your, uh, impression. And, uh, Tony Penn, who was the coach of concept who, uh, recently stepped aside. Uh, he, I talked to him for the story and he said, knowing Ethan Black's, uh, work ethic and then what he's going to have available to him in terms of, uh, you know, weight rooms and, uh, strength coaches and uh, position coaches. He just feels that a guy with that work ethic is going to have a shot at making, you know, making a good impression. And then you never know what happens. It's a, it's a long road for a preferred walk on, but uh, you know, we've had guys before like Shane McGregor at central Cambria. He was at Penn state four years as a quarterback and uh, stayed there and uh, got some snaps and uh, you know, so you know, things can happen.
0: Oh, we wish him well. I can't imagine. Uh, if you're a defensive back in high school and you're, you're lined up as a corner and here's the, uh, 100 yard dash, <laughs> you know, yeah. guy, you're lining yeah. up. I can't imagine yeah. anything scarier than that, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, he's, uh, he's not too shabby on kickoffs and punt returns either. I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. No,
0: <laughs> watched him play too. Just, a absolutely amazing talent. Mike Masovich of the Tribune Democrat joining us, uh, today. And, um, one more local guys we talk about about penn state uh just an an odd situation for me i was uh, performing some somewhere the tv was on within this venue it was penn state wrestling they were taking on iowa and i just so happened to catch the screen as i'm playing my guitar mike and i see the name max murin and i remember the name first of all penn state wrestling uh, up in Happy Valley. I had no idea that that was such a show that, you know, with all the lights and all the excitement, man, they go all out. But I actually found myself cheering for somebody <laughs> who wasn't wrestling for Penn State as I watched the match. He didn't disappoint, by the way.
1: No, Max Muir, a Central Cambria High School graduate, a uh, 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 former uh, PIAA state champion wrestler uh, at Iowa, NCAA Division One, Big Ten power. Uh, there was a time when Iowa was the gold standard in terms of winning the national title. Mm-hmm. Well, now Penn State wrestling is the gold standard. Uh, national champion, team champion produces individual champions. Uh, I don't have it memorized, but they're, <laughs> they haven't lost a dual meet since uh, it's been years, seasons. Wow. Uh, you know, their streak in dual meets is incredible, and uh, you know, the atmosphere up there, as you said, they moved that match. Uh, to the Bryce Jordan Center, Iowa, Penn State. There were 16,000 people yes. there. Just, just, it was on the Big Ten network on television, as you mentioned. And I, I was just like you, you know, kind of like, okay, that's uh, best case scenario is a Penn State win and uh, Max Nurin win. Uh, nothing against the Penn State wrestler face, Right. But uh, local guy, you got to root for the local guy. So, um, it, it and it turned out that way. Max had a it was, boy, a gritty match, but uh, he won a tight one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State ended up winning the overall match to keep its streak going, and uh, they were, you know, top ranked against uh, the second ranked team. So Penn State still, um, you know, holds that uh, standard. Cal Sanderson, uh, just a great program there, and uh, mm-hmm. great atmosphere. And happy for Max. I I did a big uh, feature story on it before the match, and I the principal at Central Cambria, I think, had the best line. He said that he's a big Penn State guy, and he said, well, I'll be wearing my blue and white, but as soon as the 149-pound match comes up, I'm taking my shirt off and underneath my Mad Max <laughs> T-shirt will be on. So I said, no, that's a good approach.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I'm i familiar with the name because my brother, uh, Jason, uh, superintendent at, at Central Cambria, you know, that said, boy, this kid yes, yes. is really special. He's from a great family. And, uh, you know, to me, it's always – it's always the case that these guys who are so aggressive whenever the whistle blows you know the the lights are on how the most passive peaceful nicest people can just become you know, caged animals whenever it becomes time to yeah. go at it you know pretty awesome stuff
1: yeah i just saw a viral video and i can't remember it was i think it was a high school but uh a mom and a dad were sitting in the front row and uh their, their son was wrestling and and the dad was sitting there and the mom just kept pushing on the father's head as the kid was like he's screaming and cheering and every time she cheers she's bashing the guy on his head and he's sitting there just like okay you know uh, it was kind of funny but I you know I, I see the 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 passion it's it's uh, it's one of those sports where it's one on one there there's a. Uh, There's a lot of passion there.
0: Boy, and I get it now with Penn State because it really reminded me of, and again, I didn't have the sound on, but the way the lights would go down and the way the spotlight would hit the wrestlers coming out, you know, it it, it was, you know, to me it it was like the, you know, Chicago Bulls in the 90s with those great Jordan teams, you know, anytime anybody would come out, it was like, wow, this is a huge deal with Penn State.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. <laughs> Mike Masovich at the Tribune Democrat with us here. A couple other uh, interesting stories, Mike. Uh, uh, recent uh, passing of, of a guy who uh, had a, a great deal to do with the popularity of uh, hockey, travel hockey, particularly with uh, youth in this community. Um, I hope it's a name that's not forgotten.
1: Yeah, Pete um uh, from East Connemouth. Uh, I, I knew him well outside of work, uh, just a great guy, uh, fun guy, friendly guy. Just uh, He died at age 81 after a short illness. But uh, a couple of things Pete was known for, uh, even though he, he was a Johnston High graduate, but uh, his family moved up to Connemaw. Uh, he worked in the mills, and uh, he ended up getting on the uh, Carmel Valley school board. And he spent 35 years as a leader on that school board there until he uh, retired a, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, he was known for that and just always out in the community doing things. But back in the day, um, he was involved in hockey. I'd done a story on him in 2015 when uh, former Johnston Jets great John Horvath, who was on the very first Johnston Jets team in 1950. Mm -hmm. Well, Pete, as a young teenager, they used to hang around the War Memorial, and they'd wait, and they'd beg the guys to give them a stick or a puck, and that's what they played with. They didn't keep it for souvenirs like we do now. They would – Oh, man, I got a stick. Now we can go play in the, in the alley or whatever. So Pete said one day he was bothering John Horvath. And John was just a likable guy, too. And uh, he just, come on, come on. And so John went in, probably figured, okay, I'm not going to get rid of this kid. Uh, went into the locker room, came out, and he threw a jersey to Pete. It was John Horvath's jersey. Wow. That year John wore, not, wore number seven. It was when the Jets had red and white. Yeah. And uh, when John died in 2015, Pete was reading my story about John dying. And, and he told his wife Leone, he said, hey, I think I have that jersey up in the attic. And they went up, they found the jersey, and they found an old pair of skates that Ken Coons, another Jets great, had given Pete years later. And that's what Pete used to play. He played skate on the ice. Yeah. So, wow. so it was just a cool story uh, in 2015 where he talked about having this jersey, and uh, our photographer, John Prakowski, had a great photo of it, and that's what was used with the obit story of Pete holding this red and white jersey, tattered old jersey. So that wow. happened. And then two, two years later... Uh, I never thought I'd be doing you know, stories on a friend of mine like this, but two years later, uh, they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1967 team, mm-hmm. which became known as the first travel team in Johnstown. At that time, they didn't know that's what they were. Uh, Don Hall, Johnston Jets' iconic yeah. legend, um, he coached a team of 17-, uh, 18-year-olds who went to Lake Placid, New York, to play in a tournament. And Pete Kanaz was an assistant coach with Don Hall. Uh, that team had guys like Mike Hudak, who's been, uh, uh the JV coach at Bishop McCord forever now. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Larry Files from Cornwall Township, mm-hmm. who I actually knew him because he was my, uh, music teacher at Cornwall Valley back in the dinosaur days. Wow. So, uh, there was guys like that on that team and they went up to Lake Placid and Don Hall told me this story. Uh, and Pete, when I talked to him for a 2017, uh, story, uh, they, they, they were saying that, uh, they went up there, and it was supposed to be – they thought they were playing against a high school team, mm-hmm. and they were actually college-age kids, and the teams they played against were backed by NHL. Like, they were. They received funding, sponsorship from, oh, it, from my. the NHL. Yeah. So our guys go up there, and seriously, I had the scores in the 2017 story. They lost one game with seriously like 27 <laughs> nothing. I mean, it was just – like like uh, Pete Cadaze and Larry Files both told me in the story – uh, that Don Hall told them, hey, you guys, don't get cocky. The hockey you're going to see up there is the best you've you're ever gonna, you've seen to date and probably you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking, okay, yeah, coach, yeah, coach. Mm-hmm. And so when they got up there, they said, yeah, Don Hall knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and, and Pete and A's did say, like, hey, those guys were all two years older than us, and they were college guys. You know, so that's a big difference. But yeah. what happened by them going to Lake Placid, that was the first step of starting a travel program. And then Pete said that they started playing teams in Catanning and they started playing teams in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and it caught on. And now you've got, uh, you know, the travel program in Cambria County and the Johnstown region is just so strong. Very strong I, talk yeah. to, I yeah. talked to Chris Glessner a couple of years ago and he was just, uh, he's the head of one, one of the travel uh, organizations. And he just said that, um, you know, every year that keeps growing and growing and you've got so many kids involved. So, uh, so those guys in nineteen sixty seven and Lake Lake Placid took a beating, but what they laid the foundation for something great.
0: Yeah, and isn't it awesome? You know, the same spot where the 1980 Winter Olympics were, where yeah. uh, that great USA team uh, surprised everybody. Boy, that is a really nice connection there. Nice historical relevance. That's so cool. Good yeah. stuff mike masovich tribune democrat uh, a couple more minutes with him and mike uh ferndale basketball you know for that school being as small as it is over the years they have produced some really good players and have historically had some great teams haven't they
1: yeah and uh, there was a convergence of some of the old ferndale history from the glory days uh, recently uh couple Fridays ago, uh, a game Ferndale hosted against Northstar, and the Jackets lost the game. But something interesting happened uh, actually in the stands and, and uh, after the game uh, involving history. Um, and Tim Rigby, uh, a good friend of mine, the former WJAC sports director and, and uh, TV anchor, uh, actually kicked me off that night. He said, Masty, something really cool happened tonight. You might be interested if you want to look into it. I said, sure, what? And he said, well, we were at the game. And he said, uh Mark Whisinger, the former Canberra County Commissioner, mm-hmm. a former Yellow Jacket star. He happened to be at his first game he'd been at in a while, and he said a guy from, from North Carolina came up to visit decided to go to the game. His name was Lucy Carey, another former Yellow Jacket. And the coach of the team for Ferndale is Matt Lushko, who was you know, Ferndale legend, uh, Camden County's all time leading scorer. Mm-hmm. So what what's what's the common thread between all these guys? So Mark Wissinger in 1967 set the Ferndale single game scoring record with 37 points in a game at Central Mm Cambria. Well, his teammate, uh, Lou Sicari, was a sophomore at the time. Well, two years later, when Lou was a senior, Lou scored 37 points in a game against Somerset to tie Mark Wissinger for the Ferndale single game scoring record. Single game scoring record.
0: Yeah.
1: So, Matt Lushka, who I said is coaching Ferndale boys. Uh, in 1991-92, he was the star player. He scored 51 in a game against Blairsville to break their record. Oh, wow. And that's a record that still stands. And as I said, Matt ended up scoring, I think it was 2,451 career points, which is the Cambria County record. Amazing. So um, all three of the guys happened to be in the gym that night just by chance. Oh, I mean, cool. Yeah. They said Mark hadn't been there for a while. Lou lived out of state for the last 40 or 50 years, so he just came back from North Carolina, happened to go to a game. And then, on top of all that, Tim and Jim Rigby, the state rep, Tim and Jim are brothers. Yeah. They, Tim said they were sitting around, you know, what should we do, and there's nothing to do, there's nothing to do, hey, let's go to the Ferndale game. And Tim said neither of them had been in a game for quite a while. So all these weird things, these guys <laughs> who had not been to the game awesome. show up the same game. Yeah. And here's the pie with, the, with Tim and Jim Rigby, their late father... Dick Rigby was the Ferndale coach for both Mark and Lou Sicari. And when Lou scored his 37 points, it was the final game of the season. It was Lou's final game of his career. It was the last game that Coach Rigby ever coached, and it got him a win. It got him a win um, when they were having a rough season. Like Lou and everybody was saying how special it was for them to win to send Coach Rigby out as a winner because of everything he gave to the program. So, I mean, that was a lot of stuff that came together on a Friday night.
0: (laughs) how wonderful is that man that, that that is amazing and a lot of like really cool coincidences you know so that's that oh that's a that's a great story Mike yeah and uh you know Ferndale you know as we said just a just a great uh, tradition there with great players throughout the years and that reminds me of uh the reunion of that nineteen seventy two Johnstown Trojans team also that I believe, yeah. you know, that you uh you know, the, the that, that big uh uh Cambria County War Memorial uh basketball invitational tournament winner right. that they had. Boy Yeah. What a what a team that was. And they yeah. just had a reunion, didn't they?
1: Right. We had mentioned before the reunion, I think the last time I was on I we talked about that was coming up. Well, I actually went there. They invited me to kind of set in and it was such a cool event. It was at the holiday Inn downtown in one of the smaller rooms. They just uh, reserved one of the rooms. They had a bunch of round tables and Ken Horaho, who was the, the guard on that team got up and said, listen, the way I want this to happen, I just want all of us to talk. Everybody feel free, stand up, tell your story. What was special about that year? And, uh, you know, Don Mazer, the scoring leader of that team was there. He got up and spoke. Uh, Jerry Kaharchik was very passionate, spoke, uh, they, a lot of them talked about Pat Cummings, the late NBA star yeah. who was the, on that team and passed away, unfortunately, early. And um, uh, it just, even one of the guys they played against, uh, Jim Cleveland of Wimber, they, they jokingly say, Hey, you crashed it. Jim <laughs> came just to talk about how great that team was and what it was like playing against them. Oh, so it, it was like a couple hours. And they just, uh, I went around taking photos because I knew it was a special night. And I posted like 30 some photos on my Facebook wow. page. And they all loved it. Yeah. And then I got them all together. Uh, using some of the expertise John Rakowski taught me. I, I lined them all up uh, for a photo and took a group photo. There was a bunch of the coaches there. There was guys that coached the JV team, guys that coached the junior high team, uh, assistant varsity, varsity. All those guys were there, so it was a special photo. And then the other thing that was really cool is um, I think it was Cleveland brought some photos, and they had the guys in action. Like one of them, Cleveland, one of the guys was shooting against Cleveland or vice versa. And I got them both to stand there, the two that were there, mm-hmm. holding the photo of them from like 50 years ago. And then uh, they had a photo. Uh, two guys were in the photo, and Pat Cummings was in the photo. So we had those two guys stand together and hold the picture so you could see Pat Cummings wow. there too. So we got yeah. a lot of real cool cool uh, memories out of it. And They had so many great things to say. I, I, so that would have been great for a documentary, just hearing all those stories. And
0: Absolutely. they talked about yeah
1: about what Coach Litwalk and his staff did how uh, he just worked. And he said, they won that War Memorial Tournament. you think he said, uh, Horo and uh, Tarczyk were saying, you think we were going to get a pat on the back. So Coach Litwock had us up at 8 in the morning to, for a practice like the next day because they were playing McCourt in a day or two, and he knew how hard that game was going to be. <laughs> you know, he said, stay any rest. We are out there practicing, running as if we, like, lost by 50. You know, wow. he said, that's just how it was. And then Paul had them play a schedule. Had a lot of teams from out of the area, yeah. Uh, some powerhouses, and that's kind of what prepared them. The only thing that derailed the season was an upset loss to Sharon. Uh, uh, they they won a it was twenty five straight games, I think, and then they lost to Sharon. Yeah. Um, that that game was marred with controversy over uh, four of the Johnstown guys fouled out, and nobody from Sharon did. The, wow. They always talk about the the refereeing in that game, but still, Sharon beat them. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. I tell you what, and you and I often talk about how you know that we are are, are able how you specifically are able to follow these athletes uh you know throughout their careers that Johnstown 72 team not only produced some great basketball players but so many of these guys just became successful um whether that was going on to play basketball in the NBA like Pat Cummings or you know to go on to play basketball uh in college but you know guys like Jack Bouchon Don Mazer. I mean, these guys have all had successful careers.
1: Yeah. Jack Bouchon was there and uh, he had some great, great uh, insight on that team. And he's been a successful businessman in Johnstown. And as I said, uh, Jerry Jerry Cajaric. Yeah. Yeah. He's an attorney. Kenny Horo is a well-known Pittsburgh attorney. Uh, Yeah. And obviously Pat Cummings. Um, And then the, the, the coaches all were guys that coached decades and impacted so many young lives. And, uh, just so many guys there, um, you know, just went on to good things in the community and in their lives. Right?
0: Yeah, oh, just awesome. Mike Mastovich, Tribune Democrat, with us. Uh, Mike, anybody wants to reach out, they have a story to tell. Uh, what would you advise they do?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get me a, a direct message on Twitter. That's at masty 81 and my email is m.mastovich at trigdem.com.
0: Well, Mike, my apologies. I kept you here longer, and I thought, you know, than I normally do, but you had so much good stuff with you here today. I didn't want to miss out on it. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, Bo. Thank
0: you. Always, Mike. Thanks again.
1: All right. Take care.